Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Mid Carters Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, C. Bloom. I am your boy, C. Wilk. And I am the current champion, T. Boat. And we have another exciting episode for you guys today on the road to SummerSlam. This is going to be the Mid Carters Go Home episode because we just wrapped up the Go Home Friday Night SmackDown, and we are well on the road to SummerSlam. We're going to talk a little bit about current events, SummerSlam predictions, 1v1 debates, all that good stuff. You guys know the drill, and that's why you know that we're going to first start with our internet headline of the week. Caleb, what do you have for us? Well, this this tweet uh, comes from Just Talk Wrestling, and the internet headline is, you get to bring Batista back for one match. It can be against anyone in WWE or AEW. Who are you choosing and why? One of y'all like to go first? Yeah, I'll go ahead and start. It might be an obvious one. It probably is. Maybe somebody has the same one. But for me, there's only one name that sticks out. You think Batista. You think Brock Lesnar. These guys have not had a match before to Goliaths. And to me, if Batista came back and worked one match, I think it should be Brock's retirement match. Those two, one last match for both of them, a match we never got that just makes complete sense. For me, it's Batista and it's Brock Lesnar. I feel that. I feel that. Um, I'd say my go-to, it'd be a triple threat. I think I'd like to see him um, in a triple threat versus Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. I think that would be really cool. I think it's a good story you could tell with him and Rey um, because they have their ups and downs, but also him and Dominic and Rey and Dominic. I think all, all their three dynamics could be very entertaining. So... That that's my triple threat. That's my one wish for Batista. Um, for me, the first thing that came to mind was uh Brock the Animal versus the Beast. But just to throw another one out there that I also kind of really thought of is the Animal versus the Almighty. Mm-hmm. I think it could be an interesting match. It's not as big as Batista and Brock, or even Batista and Ray and Dom. But I think the uh, aspects of the match could be an interesting type of encounter between those two, two powerhouses, two former world champions. I think it'd be cool to see. You know. Yeah. That's funny because I never even thought of Brock and Batista. That wasn't even a thought that I thought about. But that that's a good match. I didn't even think about it, though. I think all three of those. That's a very diverse set of matches, but all three of those are bang. Batista, if you're listening to the mid-carders, just give us one of these. Just one give more. Us one more match. One, give me what I want. <laughs> you saw Ric Flair. He can go. You can go. Okay? Uh, but, you know, guys, that was our internet headline of the week. Thank you, Batista, for listening. Um, we're going to move on, though, to current events. We're going to talk briefly about a couple things that happened on SmackDown, and then we're going to get to the meat and potatoes of the SummerSlam predictions for the entire card. So first, a couple things that stuck out on the Go Home show, kind of beginning with something notable that we probably won't get to talk about with SummerSlam, is um, some development in the Street Profits and Bobby Lashley uh, stable. So basically, the Brawling Brutes and the OC had a match, not really related to the Street Profits, but they just come out full suits, looking great, and they just beat down on the OC. They just absolutely demolished them. They look serious. They look intense. They look like a big deal. And then Bobby Lashley comes out and celebrates with them after. So we're really getting this stable forming into like a cohesive group. What do you guys think about this Street Profits Bobby Lashley stable right now? I think it's, well, I, I love it. First of all, they have the look. I just thought it was interesting that they were getting cheered, but they definitely were trying to come off his heels. But I guess, I mean, people just love the Street Profits and Bobby Lashley, so it's kind of hard to boo them. But I am interested in if they do stay full heel or will they continue to be cheered because I like them, so I don't really matter for me. But 
That was I liked it though. I think at this point, people just like the dynamics are kind of weird now. Like the it, whenever you are a heel, people like to cheer. Unless you are like a really good heel, then they'll boo you. So like I, I think it's whatever they're doing. I don't think they're going to change their pace. And it's good, because I like the pace they're doing. The two absences that I did notice was Trick, um, whatever, Trick Williams, and is it Carmelo Hayes? Yeah. And Carmelo Hayes. I was hoping we'd get maybe a glimpse of them, but still got plenty of time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hopeful to see wh when they're going to you know pop their heads and when we'll get more information on it. But them coming out was very cool. Very it'd, unexpected. It'd be cool if they did a similar thing on NXT and Bobby came out with them afterwards mm. and we just kind of start building it and build, until they all come together. Yeah, that's the true. The only thing with that is I think Trick just kind of, they didn't, they kind of split up. Trick kind of said he don't, he needs to go on his own path yeah. to figure out who he is as a solo person. Oh. So they actually kind of just split up for a minute. So oh. I don't know how that would work or, you know, maybe that's something long term in the future. But yeah, they, they, that just happened on Tuesday where they're kind of, they didn't like break up like they're not rivaling, but they're right. running their solo run right they now. They could so. find their way back together, but or maybe one of them joins. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, there's a lot of talent there yeah. that they they're floating around and teasing. So excited to see where it goes. Uh, another thing that happened on SmackDown that we do want to mention that probably won't be mentioned when we talk about SummerSlam is this Grayson Waller effect segment here. Okay, it's a loaded segment. We had Grayson. He invited Damage Control Bailey and EO onto the show, and then he plays this Shotzi. Uh, vignette like sound that he plays to mess with Bailey, and then we get Shotzi's actual music. Shotzi's tank rolls out there. Bailey gets distracted. Meanwhile, Shotzi's in the ring behind her with her new shaved head look. She looks pretty awesome, to be honest with you. Uh, she looks really cool. And then she attacks. She chases Bailey out with the razor, tries to shave her head in response. And meanwhile, Zelina Vega's in the tank, and she hops out, and and she has a match with Io Sky. But we get this new dark side of Shotzi. She's really embracing the horror. She's really embracing the crazy, something she's probably wanted to do for a long time. So I'm enjoying it. But what are you guys thinking about this Shotzi-Bailey rivalry? Um, I'm enjoying it. I like the new gear. thought it was pretty fire. Um, I, I just like it. I feel like she's like in her wheelhouse. I feel like this is like her dream just to be able to be this character type on live television. I'm loving it. I'm, I'm, and to see her bring out the Clippers on Bailey, I'm curious if Bailey ends up getting a haircut soon for real for real I guess we'll see where it goes but I'm liking this is like to me her first real storyline since I've you know got into Shotzi so I will say Shotzi is the best wrestler on Smackdown and it's about time she got her due Shotzi coming in with a performance of a lifetime which I really appreciate um, I'm glad they're really giving her this moment on um, this time to shine I hope she gets a match on pay-per-view at the next pay-per-view whatever that might be um and yeah, I mean, she looked beautiful, killing it. And, yeah, she's just killing it. So I'm excited to see her in an actual match coming up. So Yeah, and I do agree that I think at this point we, we might see Bailey with a new hairstyle soon because you don't tease it if it's not maybe going to happen. So I do think it's very possible that she chases her for a couple more weeks and then beats her in a match or something and then shaves that head or gives her a new look one way or the other. But... Uh, either way, I'm excited to see it. I'm happy about where it's going. And the final thing from SmackDown that was really a major headline is the main event. We had Jay Uso, main event Jay, of course. And then Solo Sokoa, main event Solo Sokoa, if I do say so myself, because <laughs> he's always there. But they had a match, and we all were talking as this match was going on, and we pretty much agreed that there's no way this match ends clean or this match ends straightforward. There's going to be some shenanigans, because I'm sure at some point 
we'll get Jay and Solo later on, but actually, that was not the case, as Jay actually beats Solo clean as a whistle. He hits him with the spear. He hits him with the frog slash, pins him one, two, three. They do fight after the match as well, but Jay comes out on top of that as well. And overall, clean win for Jay. Momentum heading into SummerSlam. What would y'all think of that decision, that booking choice? I, I mean, I know we kind of thought it wasn't going to be a clean finish. We were preparing ourselves for it. And I'm kind of torn on if it should have been. Because, you know... A part of it feels like this was Jay's win. But then a part of it feels like, I mean, you don't want him to lose his match before Roman. But I don't know. I, I was cool either way, I feel like. It's, it's kind of a eh either way. But it was a good, good match. Good match. Um, I think, and I, I I shared it with y'all, I think, before. But I feel like Solo recently has been, like, eating some losses. Or if not losses, he's just been getting kind of his, you know, his butt kind of hand, handed to him. Uh, recently, so I'm hoping that after this, whatever happens at the pay per view, that we can get back to Solo kind of being more dominant. And if he is going to face against the Usos, like actually like look competitive and not just taking super kicks all the time, because I like Solo, um, and I don't want him to kind of just be stuck in that box. But um, besides that, I mean, it was a decent match. He, he was trying to injure him and did his job. So yeah. Yep, overall solid, and and, and I think uh, it, overall it's the right booking decision. You know, it, it, you could be argued either way, especially with there's a lot of moving parts with this stuff. But when it comes to tomorrow night having Jay Uso versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Undisputed Title, you got to build up the believability that it's possible that he wins it, and and a big win, clean versus Solo is a great way to do it, and Solo can easily be built back up. So. Yeah, well, I'm not doubting any of that. I'm just saying, just for his perspective, he probably shouldn't eat any more losses. That's true. I will shout out. I did like when he said the Paul Heyman in the promo. You know, that Paul was Heyman cool. was telling him to do something. He said, "Get out." I, I like that. I just, I did want to shout that out. That oh cool. yeah, he set up to Paul a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so lots of moving parts again, like always with the bloodline. I'm sure we'll get some great advancements when we talk about SummerSlam. So, with that being said. Let's talk about SummerSlam. Let's give our match predictions. Now, if I remember correctly, the last time we did this was Money in the Bank. I think Caleb had the best record on predictions. So I think so. We'll see if one of us can bounce back on this. I'm feeling confident about mine. Semi-confident, at least. But let's <laughs> kick it off with probably the most anticipated match in SummerSlam history. And no, you might think I'm talking about Roman versus Jay. You might think I'm talking Cody versus Brock. Nah, nah. I'm talking about the Slim Jim Battle Royale. So tell me right now, guys, who are you taking in the Slim Jim Battle Royale? Um, if I'm being honest, I want to choose somebody that hasn't been listed, but that's not really possible to do. I mean, you so, could. But I, like, I don't know who to choose. I just feel like... No, It'd be no, bold, but you could do yeah, it. Like, nobody that I see in it, to me, is going to win, but I'm just going to choose Grayson Waller. He needs to win mm. as well. And I just feel like since LA Knight did win tonight, I just don't think he's going to win tomorrow. They're going to keep us dragging along, begging for that win, because when he gets it, it's gonna be LA Knight's game. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think you. I think LA Knight's gonna get it. I, I. I do think you know. Um, they and I, and I say this all the time, but like, why this match don't count for anything? Like, give it to him. What? Just give it to him. It doesn't matter. Like, you don't win anything for it. You don't gain nothing for it. So just give him a win. Make everybody happy at SummerSlam. You know, because they'll probably end up going home unhappy by the end. So give, <laughs> give, give, give him a win. Give him an L.A. Knight win. Just give it to him. So my, my money's on L.A. Knight. You know, I'm going to make a live change to my predictions right here, right now. Because I'm going to tell you guys, for the past 
eight hours. I've had Seamus written down on this document. I've been sure oh, wow. that Seamus was going to do it, and then we continue this LA like you know a situation where Seamus eliminates LA Knight at the last second. They can continue their beef after SmackDown eventually, or after SummerSlam eventually, giving LA Knight that big win against Seamus. However. After what we saw on SmackDown tonight, I really don't have evidence to believe they're going to continue that, nor are they, like, building Sheamus to win it. Not that it matters, but you know what I'm saying. So I'm going to go ahead and go with my heart, and I'm going to agree with Taji and say it's going to be the megastar L.A. Knight. Yeah. yeah. I'm rooting for him, but, you know. I've been wrong before. I've been hurt before. <laughs> Money true. in the bank. I'm looking at you, Damian Priest. But I'm not going to be wrong today. Now, moving forward into this next match, a very intriguing, very exciting matchup here. We have the long-awaited Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler in an MMA-style match, meaning it can only end in submission or knockout, I believe. Uh, so what do you guys got for Ronda versus Shayna? I'm hype. I'm probably like on like a 9 out of 10 hype when it comes to this match. I want them to cook their friends get stiff, beat the crap out of each other, um, just go crazy. But I got Shayna. Shayna's the right answer. You know, I don't Ronda don't need this. This is Shayna's moment. I think this is like this is her first real SummerSlam match that I can remember. Like, give her this moment. She deserves it. Like, this is it. I, I want this match to cook. I'm hype. I've been I've been campaigning for this match forever, it seems. And I never thought it happened. And I didn't think it would happen this quick. But um, with the promos they that they've been doing um, this past week, uh, I guess specifically on Raw, like it really showed um, the passion from both of them. Um, I've been the biggest Shayna Baszler fan um, just from the stuff I've seen in NXT, um, and I like Ronda Rousey as well. I know some people don't, but I, I've liked Ronda Rousey. Um, I really think this is Shayna's time, and I, I want her to win. And I, I think she will win. I'm still not entirely convinced, but I'm like 60, I'm like 55, 35. So she's winning. I'm excited for this match too. I'm not normally one that's too excited for Ronda Rousey matches. Now she has her moments, but I, I'm, I, no, no Ronda Rousey match has ever done it for me when it comes to the actual match. And my biggest concern for this match is that the, the, the match itself won't match the build, but I don't think that's going to be the case. And I'm really going into it with positivity that, like you said, it's going to be stiff. It's going to be two friends going at it. And the emotion of the build will go into the match. And if it does, it's going to be great. And I'm picking Shayna Baszler to go over. I think Ronda Rousey is not that much longer for the company. I think it's trending that way. And therefore, put Shayna, at, uh, put Shayna over. Give your, your friend that win. And, and let's get on through. Shayna Baszler. I'm 100% with you. If they don't let them cook, this is going to be a waste. An MMA rules match between two true MMA professional fighters. I'm not I'm not saying they got to bust each other up, but let them cook. Let, like, let them – maybe nobody gets knocked out. Maybe somebody taps, you know, but let them cook, man. I, I hope and, they do. And why do you think um, – what, what's her name? Ronda's on, out the way because I haven't heard that. I, I think so as well. Why do y'all think that? We just think so. Like, I just feel like <laughs> – Y'all have a reason? Like, the, I'll put it this way. I feel like – there's nothing left for her to do, and it seems like she's kind of like this is the last thing that like she wants to do is like she's been a world champion, she's made it at WrestleMania, she's won the Rumble, she's been a tag champion with Shayna. I don't see what's left on her checklist. Yeah, I mean, same for Bailey. I mean, not Bailey. I keep saying that. Same for Becky though. She's only been there for not too too long. But Becky's Watch a true wrestler. Thing. Ronda's not like this is a Becky's a like Becky's wanted to do. This. Ronda came yeah. from, you know, she she came that in like. Like, you know, more, not part-time, but she came from MMA. Becky yeah. been a wrestler from the jump. 
Well, yeah, yeah, I know that. You guys explain that to me, but I mean, yeah, I feel like there's stuff she can do. We'll see, but it should be a great match either way. Moving forward, another match that I expect to bang personally, I truly do, and I hope it does. We got Logan Paul versus Ricochet. Now, uh, highly anticipated match for me in terms of in-ring stuff. The the build's been pretty good, and I think the match is going to be great. Who you guys got? I have been torn up until today. I was uh, I was Logan Paul because I felt like he. I know he hasn't had a win since last year at SummerSlam, and I figured this is one that they could kind of lay up to him. But then I started thinking. You know, he talked about the dude's girl. You know, he brought Samantha Irwin into it. He got the he got the last hit on Monday. And he's not going to be there, I don't think, the following week. Ricochet has to show back. I don't, I don't think Logan Paul's coming back on like the next month. I think he's probably taking a break or something. That's so I, I feel like Ricochet needs this win more, especially since he's like going to be consistently on Raw the following weeks. He This is his biggest moment, really. And he could use the win way more than Logan Paul. So I, I, I'm going with Ricochet. I think he needs it more, and I think that's, that's, he should win. So. Uh, I'm going to go with Ricochet as well. Um, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, but I don't like Logan Paul and I don't respect Logan Paul, so I don't think he should be wrestling. Um, but I think, again, Ricochet, he deserves that. You know, Let him get that win. He deserves that. He, he grinds. He grinds. Uh, for me, it's interesting, especially the question of who needs the win more. And I completely agree with what you say, Caleb, like, about Ricochet's going to be there on Monday night. He's going to be on weekly television moving forward, but... There are two sides to this coin because if Logan Paul is going to continue to work big matches in the company, he has not had a win in a long time. And therefore, a win on a big stage would boost him into title matches if that's where they want to go. However, Ricochet definitely needs it more. And if they are going to use and elevate Ricochet, this win would propel him there. However, if after SummerSlam, Ricochet goes back to what Ricochet has been doing and been booked to do, which is nothing basically, card. then the win's pointless. So I just hope that they take this moment, and I do have Ricochet winning, and they use it to actually elevate him and not push him back down afterwards. Now that we all pick Ricochet, I kind of want to change. I mean, you can change I, if you want. I, I don't. Why do you want to change? I just feel like we're jinxing Ricochet right now. <laughs> like, That's up to you. Like, this is like, I'm going to say Ricochet, but. Kind of feel weird. I, I thought when I was going, I didn't think. He, I thought Cooper was going to choose Logan. I thought he was going to choose I've been going back and forth. It's, and like I said, it, it depends on where they're going to go after this. But both guys could benefit from it. But ultimately, um, I think Logan will benefit enough from the crazy spots that they'll probably do, and they'll, they'll both look gray. And Ricochet will hopefully get the get the win. But uh, we'll see. I think we all three still have Ricochet predicted yeah. here, yeah. and let's see where that goes. Next up, a match that could steal the show. We have. The Intercontinental Championship match between Gunther and Drew McIntyre. Who do we have? If the record wasn't around the corner, this would be Drew for me. It really would. Um, but I feel like with that record around the corner, man, the Libby loves records nowadays. And I just don't see him losing it, like, what, 30 days or what, like a month away from the Hunky Tonk Man's record. I mean, the reigns are already better than Hunky Tonk Man's reign, but, you know, they do this thing and. Yeah, I just and then they they started that thing with Chad Gable, which seems kind of interesting. I feel like that could be like his next opponent. You know what I'm saying? I just feel like it ain't it ain't about the end. I don't think there's nobody else like big enough for to to beat Gunther after Drew and Sheamus. Like he's already beaten. You know, if he beats both of them twice at this point or three times, whatever. But I just don't see him losing this close to the record. Uh, I think with the, my my money's on Gunther for sure. 
Uh, I think Gunther is going to win this match, but I definitely could see them, because I, I imagine this isn't the one match they'll have. I imagine they might do a three-peat, three-series or whatever. I could see Drew winning it from Gunther, maybe the second match. But I don't think Gunther's going to lose to him. I don't think there's been enough hype. And maybe that could go with them, that it's not as much hype, so he does win. I don't know. But I don't think um, there's enough hype to get him to to that win at this point. I think let him lose this one, and then this next one, let him win, see how it goes, whatever. But, yeah, I think Gunther's going to retain here and, you know, keep his run going strong. Uh, I agree. Um, it, it, it was a, it was a close call for me, but I, I'm kind of in the exact same thought process as Taji, where I don't think it's necessarily their last match. Because at first I was like, I think Drew's going to win because Just can't who's win. going to dethrone Gunther? Also, at the end of this, in a hundred days or whatever, who's it going to be? Drew seems like the perfect guy, but then I agree with you. It's probably going to be a series of matches. Just because he doesn't win at SummerSlam doesn't mean it's going to be Drew. Uh, and I think ultimately it probably will be, but at SummerSlam it's still going to be Gunther. They love their records too much for their own good or against their own good. They love records too much. And I sadly also hate it for Drew because he just got back. He was eating losses up like before he left. Yeah. And, you know, I, Drew's like my second favorite in the company. I, like I, said, I don't think he needs any more losses right now. But, I mean, I'm not the booker. so. But at the same time, you know, we get into wins and losses and there's just levels to it. Like. You know, a win, a, a loss versus half the roster is one thing, but a loss versus Gunther at SummerSlam is different. You know, you can come out of that looking just as good as you did. You know, in my opinion, that's true. But I think if it's just that, but if you have a series of losses yeah. after that and before sure. that, that that can compound it. Do you just a quick question on the side? Do y'all feel like when Gunther loses, like, or do y'all see him losing it this year and then going to the world title picture? Because this, for me, I really mm-hmm. like. I, he's he's world title material. He just has to drop the IC title at some point. Usually to go for. I don't see him being a double champion. Yeah, I I personally think we see him drop it. And right now, way out. So it's going to probably change and things are going to shift. But he's my early pick to win the Royal Rumble and go on to pace for maybe the World Heavyweight title or maybe the Undisputed title, depending on where the chips lay. But uh, I could definitely see him in the World title picture come WrestleMania even. Yeah, I could see him getting a World title shot. By the end of the year. Wait, no, 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 no. That's not true. Because the end of the year is pretty close. Um, uh, by, by, by WrestleMania. No, that's even close. By next year's WrestleMania. So next WrestleMania year. <laughs> but he'll, he'll, he'll get it. He'll get it um, after this coming WrestleMania. Who loses sure. first, Roman or Gunther? Gunther. Gunther. Okay. Yes. I don't think Gunther goes, like I already said, he's going to win the Rumble. So I don't think he goes into WrestleMania as champion. I think Roman does. So. Gotcha. Um, yeah, uh, with that said, let's move on to another title match. Talking about the world title picture, let's talk about the women's world title picture. The one women's title that's being defended on the card um, uh, is uh, a good match. Don't get me wrong. I just wish we had Rhea and maybe Raquel as well. But we, what we do have is a triple threat match between the champion Asuka, Bianca Belair, and Charlotte Flair. Who do you guys have for this one? Uh, I got Asuka. And it's because that's the right booking decision. Bianca don't need her right now, even though I like her, I'm a big fan, and Charlotte doesn't need this. I know she's 5-0, we could give a rat's patoonie of her record at SummerSlam. What we care about is treating Oscar with respect and saving her for EO, okay? As a big EO fan, if you can't tell from my Money in the Bank pick and all that, save her for EO. Oscar can win 16-time championship any other year. Oscar needs this win badly. 
She's felt like a transitional champion since she won it. It's been bad. The promo package was the best thing she's had since she won the title. Oscar needs this match, man. Just please don't let Charlotte win. Like, please. Um, my pick is Charlotte. Um, hell no. Um, <laughs> no, no. My, 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 you saw our faces. <laughs> no, my, my pick is Oscar. Um, for similar reasons. I just really love Oscar. Oscar's Oscar's a killer. Um, and she's great. I mean, Oscar's literally one of the best workers on the roster, but a lot of times she just kind of gets put on the back burner. So, and I'd say decently for this rivalry, she's been put on the back burner. So it'd be nice to see her um have a, a clean or dominant win against um the three of them. Um, so yeah, my money's on Oscar, and hope that she wins with some dignity and respect. Uh, I, I'm pretty excited for this match. You know. We don't get that many triple threats often anymore. I wish we had more because I, I, I can't remember a bad triple threat match. I mean, there have been some, but I just think triple threat matches are consistently great. And this one especially, I think all three women could very easily win this. And I think there's a case to be made for all three. That makes an exciting match. But ultimately, I agree with both of you. And I think Asuka is going to retain. Um, I do. I think it's going to be a good match. I could see Bianca winning. I could see Charlotte winning. But ultimately, I don't see the path for their championship reign post-SummerSlam. And therefore, it the path is just clearest for Asuka to continue this reign. For me. Have we disagreed on anything besides the Battle Royale? I, nope. Oh. oh, wow. We have not. But we may. Interesting. Okay. Actually, I don't think we will, looking at the next three <laughs> matches. But that's okay, because... The Battle Royal, the most important match on the card, could decide it all. <laughs> Am I right, guys? Wow. Moving forward, though, let's see if we get some disagreement when we talk about one of our four main events is what it is. Oh, stop. Uh, stop. <laughs> don't want to talk. Stop. Uh, we're going to uh, talk about Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare, and Brock Lesnar in their third match, the, uh, the, the finale, we all hope, to the trilogy, to what has been a, a solid series, just like any series that goes for three months a bit long. Um, but who do you guys have, Cody versus Brock? Um, I got Cody. Uh, I feel like, I mean, this is this is what it's all about. This the the whole feud to me is about Cody overcoming the beast, right? It's him proving that he's on that level. Yeah. Like, you know, this is his hard times, as he said. I'm disappointed. There's no stipulation at this point. I'm praying that they announce one the night of. It'll be nice because I don't want to see another normal Brock Cody match. They weren't horrible. They just wasn't the best thing on earth. Um. So I would love to give a little edge to it, but uh, no Adam Copeland. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I got Cody, man. I just feel like this is his to win. He kind of needs it more, and Brock can take his break because Brock has worked every pay-per-view besides money in the bank, and that is kind of shocking. Shocking. He should probably go well right until about Rumble wow. or so and, and we'll, you know, just take his break. So go, yeah. Cody. I pitched for Cody. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm also going to go with the American Nightmare, Cody Rose, like Caleb said. This the, the trilogy is telling the story of uh, of Cody proving and overcoming these obstacles, a huge obstacle it being the Beast broke his arm a couple months ago and, and all these other things. So again, just just building him up a bit more, uh, and I think it's probably going to be a good match. I think especially when it comes to the Brock matches that have gone gotten gone shorter in the past. We we've had a lot of short Brock matches in the past, but I think especially when you're going to go three. You, you, you do a couple of short ones, and hopefully we get at least a decent length match, maybe 15 minutes, and we get some cool spots, and, and, and we get Cody Rhodes on top. Quick question. Do you remember that time I told y'all that the Brock and Bobby match was going to be like less than so-so minutes, and it went exactly that? 
Yep. It was like eight, probably eight minutes or something, guys. Like, Brock has short matches. <laughs> Brock would get paid a lot of money for like 10 minutes, man. It's such a waste. Including his interest. Like, two minutes for his interest. The problem is, when you watch a Brock Lesnar match, and it's like 30 seconds in, and he puts somebody on his shoulders for the first F5, like, even if they counter, it's like, oh, here we go. Yeah. We're, it's finisher fest. But hopefully this one won't be that, but, you know. Yeah. Me, I don't got a problem. I actually don't mind him. I know y'all don't like him, but I don't mind him. I don't mind the finisher. Man. I just know he's Because I know they're just different. I know he's better than that. Yeah, that's the thing. I I, I know I, he can do more. He's a great performer, and he sells great, and he, he he's... I, we just want more We just want more than We've eight minutes. We've seen his storytelling be better. The Triple H matches, back to the John... Like, he's done better. So, when that I see, when I see him be better. lazy... Sometimes, like, when, they, when he could be a little bit better. Like, the last man stand, we just saw last year at SummerSlam, he put on a great last man standing match. So, we know what he can do when he wants to. Yep. He says don't want to, man. That's just it. Well, it's just based on things you've heard, too. Like, when you talk about, like, the John Moxley story and stuff like that. Like, people yeah. saying that he, like, refused to do cool spots and yeah. stuff like that. He wanted to keep it simple. But, oh. uh, but who knows? And he might surprise us with a banger at SummerSlam, just like he did last year. Uh, but we have two more matches on the card to talk about here. We have uh, our two men's world title matches. Let's start with our World Heavyweight Championship match. We have Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins for the title part two. Who do you guys have for this one? Seven-year redemption is Finn Balor time. I love Seth Rollins. My favorite in the company right now. But Finn Balor's climbing that ladder and entering my top five. He has been hot as a heel. I've loved everything he's done, especially this year, besides losing the edge of WrestleMania. Leave that alone. But I've loved it. It's his time, though. It's his judgment day with all the gold is what you want. The bloodline ain't got all the gold no more. Ain't no other, ain't no other faction can be like that right now. Give them all the gold. And, and I think it's a little more, I mean, yes, there's open pathways for Seth after this. A lot of people still on the roster so you could fight. But put this on Finn, man, and, and let judgment day rule with, an, with a golden iron fist. You know what I'm saying? Across Raw and NXT. It's time. Um... I'm gonna take a risk and go with Finn Balor. I only because I feel like it would be more beneficial for some stories they could tell down the road. Um, when it concerns Seth Rollins and excuse me, Seth Rollins and potentially Roman Reigns. Um, yeah, so like stories down the road. I and I haven't honestly been too much of a fan of this Seth Rollins uh, World Heavyweight Championship run, so maybe that can breathe some new life to kind of this um, new championship. Um, and definitely having it on, like, one of the top, the top heel faction in the company definitely would not hurt it by all means, by any means. Um, and it would be on Finn Balor, who is one of the best workers. I guess Seth Rollins as well, too. But Finn Balor, one of the best workers in WWE, and he's a shorter guy, so you can have bigger guys with him, too. It's a lot you can do with uh, Finn Balor. So, for the future, I'm going to say Finn. Believe it or not, guys, I'm picking Finn Balor as well. <laughs> uh, okay. Here's the thing. I have loved every second of this build. Uh, this couple months that we've been doing this, there was, like, for example, a segment on Raw a few weeks ago where it was like, I think Finn Balor interrupted a Seth Rollins backstage interview. Yep. The tension... In that segment was something that I haven't seen on WWE TV maybe ever. Just the the silent, the quiet, the reserved tension, uh, the story, the seven year saga, everything that's been building. I'm also just a huge Finn Balor fan. Of course, I love Seth too, but I I I, I think it's Finn's time. I agree. And when you think about what's happening next, obviously they're planting seeds and are already telling that story of hey, 
if I won the title, you wouldn't cash in on me, right? And, and, and the tension between Damien and Finn, and just imagine the perfect ending to the match where Finn Balor comes out on top. Damien Priest walks down to the ring with that briefcase. It's will he, won't he. He comes out, he congratulates Finn Balor, and they stand beside each other. But when that happens, when he stands slightly behind Finn as he celebrates, there's just that shadow of doubt that brings us into the next month, two months, three months of storytelling with these guys, with this faction, with this championship reign. Finn Balor is my pick. Also, I don't know if y'all feel the same way. I feel like it's a shame that he hasn't been champion in seven years. Oh, it's a shame. Seven yeah. years? This dude, is the he's a guy. He's a top guy. Seven years he hasn't been real champion? Like, he didn't lose it. I mean, he got hurt, but when he, he didn't lose He's He's always been this good. He just hasn't been booked correctly. In like almost seven years. You know what I'm saying? Minus the NXT run. Just main roster stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's been deserving of this. So, it's time, man. Get this man a world championship run. It's a time. healthy one, please. It's time. Hopefully we get that title change. I think that's maybe the first... Yeah, that is the first title change that we've predicted, I believe. Uh, so, hopefully we get it. And I don't think anybody's going to be predicting one with our main <laughs> event of the evening. Where we have Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso in tribal combat for the title of Tribal Chief. For the undisputed title, who are you guys picking in this match? How about we all say it on three? Okay. All right. All right. One, two, three. L.A. Nice. <laughs> oh, I said I meant Roman Reigns. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all picking Roman Reigns here. Uh, of course, it's been a great story. It's been incredible. I think we all agree, and you guys can chime in too, that Jey Uso would be a perfect candidate to, to end the title reign, but it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen now. It doesn't feel like it's going to happen yet. Feels like there's more Roman Reigns. We're gonna get more Tribal Chief. I th- I think it's just it's not the time yet. I, I, yeah. I got a question. Can anybody paint any picture of what happens if Jay wins, or is it, or do you feel like if Jay wins, it's also kind of like you don't just kind of feels directionless as well. Like you don't know what's next. Like you, you know what I'm saying. Like I think there's a lot you could do with Jay winning. So, like, so you do see like a, a pathway. Like a yeah, pathway. yeah, for sure. I think with Jay winning, you open up a lot for Jay. I think you have like a big option with Roman. You either have him gone, which I imagine will happen if he ever does lose. He'll just leave for a while and then come back. Or you can have him really turn up to another level and just be this brute um, and just make everybody's life a living hell. So I think there's two big decisions. And just him as a champion, I think, could be really interesting. Could y'all see... Damian Priest cashing in on Jay if Jay was to win. Oh, not, sure. not, not so much time, just in like at a point in general, then Judgment Day having all oh the gold. Wow. Like, would y'all like that if that happened? Like if Jay yeah. wins, and now Judgment Day is on SmackDown, they're on NXT, they're on Raw, and they're holding almost all of the most important gold besides besides like one women's championship and the NXT World Champion. Yeah, that I uh, love it. I, I'll be the devil's advocate here and say. No. I think in theory, I love what Judgment Day is doing. I love that they're all like in, in these great positions right now. Pretty much all of them have gold or a title or a briefcase or somewhat. But I think if they end up as a part of like almost every single title, every single storyline on every single show, it might get old quicker than we think. I don't know. Maybe not. But that's just, you know. I, I, I like that they're in a lot of stuff. Their hands are in a lot of cookie jars, but might be one too many cookie okay. jars. I mean, you know I'm what I mean? I'm just throwing it out there just to see. Because it's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I think the Judgment Day have been killing it for the past year and so, and I like how they're putting, you know, sprinkling their influence on NXT and other shows. So, yeah, I mean, if y'all want to do it, just go balls to the wall, then <laughs> why not? I mean, go ahead and go, go off. Put the strap on them to the moon. Uh, 
to the moon. Sorry, <laughs> Shout out Cameron Grimes. You will not be on SummerSlam. Well, you might be in the Battle Royale. Oh, yeah, he probably will. Anybody want to change their pick to Cameron Grimes? I mean, no. I, I, I think kinda, I, I want to ch- – I'm changing my pick to Elliot Knight. Yeah. And I know we so have, we all agree on everything. And okay. I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> because I, like, I just don't want to root for anyone else anyway. Like, even a surprise return, I doubt I'm going to be rooting for before. So it's like I'm going with my heart. Let me just choose everybody I'm rooting for at this point and choose LA Knight because, yeah, you know, it's his game. I don't give him the sponsorship. Snap to Slim Jim. Yeah, just just do it. You so know? we have a unanimous all the way down the car prediction for all of okay. us. Uh, I'm gonna tell you guys. Even before we started this podcast, we've done this. We we've done predictions for every pay per view for over a year now. I don't think that's ever happened. So it it, it just what it is, guys. Sorry, it's bad podcasting. I got a t- I got a tiebreaker idea. How about we uh, on, on the cash tonight? Y'all think somebody cashes in at SummerSlam? Yes or no? That's not the tiebreaker. Maybe nope. no. <laughs> do you? <laughs> I'm gonna say yeah, just to be different. Who's cashing I think in? EO's cashing in. So if EO cashes in, you win. All right. If EO does not cash in, me and Taj, you win. I guess so. Ultimately. Gosh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, that's our SummerSlam predictions. Overall, a great card. Let me ask you one more question about SummerSlam. Of course, we'll, we'll have more coverage in our next episode after the show. Uh, what is one match? If you had to pick one match on the card that you think is going to steal the show, everybody's gonna walk away talking about what's gonna be that match for y'all. Um, Drew Gunther, man. I think, listen, we watched Sheamus and Gunther together in shock at how amazing it was the Crash at the Castle. This has a chance to top that. I remember the feeling I felt watching that match. I felt the scars on Sheamus's body. This is the only match I think that could top that brutality. Drew's bigger. You know what I'm saying? Like, Drew's also, like, this could, this might could top it. And that's going to be hard, but if any match could do it, but if anybody else could do it with Gunther, it's Drew. Um, I don't know. Cause I mean, obviously that, that one, and that would have been my choice. So I don't want to say that. Um, I think it's between one of the women's match because both of the women's match is, is going to be fire. But I do think with my, my history of being scorned by WWE, I do think that the MMA match isn't going to bang the way I would like it to bang. So I'm going to say a triple threat, which is already a great match. I love a triple threat. But with Asuka, Bianca, and Charlotte. Charlotte's in it. Never mind. Um, <laughs> it's going to be Shayna and Ronda Rousey. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that's it. Because, only because I know that uh, Shayna can be very brutal. And I really think we're going to get that side of her. We haven't seen Ronda really been that brutal. So this might be something that we can really see more of in that. And it's going to be in their wheelhouse. So I'm interested to see what that will be like. And possibly you can steal the show, for sure. Give me Finn and Seth. I think think it's other than the bloodline. And, of course, I think we all agree that the bloodline match is probably going to be top tier. That's the obvious But uh, outside of that, a show stealer, somebody that you don't expect as much. I I think we're going to walk away from Finn and Seth Rollins. The second strongest story, you could argue a few others, of course, but um, for me at least, personally, I think I'm emotionally invested in it, and, and I think that match is going to be great. But overall, I think the card's going to be great, and we can't wait to talk about it more with you guys after we all check it out and watch and enjoy SummerSlam this weekend. But we are going to transition on to our next segment here right now. We're going to get into You Just Made the List. And speaking of SummerSlam today, we are ta- tackling our top five SummerSlam moments or matches. So it could be a singular moment. It could be a complete and total match all the way through. 
keeping it in the SummerSlam spirit as SummerSlam is in the air. Who wants to, uh, let's say, Caleb, kick it off with your number five. This was the hardest list we've ever done for me. Um, but start with number five, Ray versus Eddie 2005, custody of Dominique Matches, debut mm. to WWE. What a crazy storyline. I mean, you just have to watch it to believe that some of kid's custody was up for grabs in a ladder match between two, like two Hall of Famers, all because Eddie couldn't beat Ray. He took it to a custody match to try to beat Ray. Still doesn't beat Ray. But what a match. What a storyline. And uh, it's number five for me in my top five favorites. Uh, my number five, um, it's a match I've actually probably only match on that card that I've watched all the way through. But it's going to be the uh, Hulk Hogan and HBK match. Just because, I mean, if you haven't, it's, I think it's SummerSlam 2005. If you haven't mm -hmm. seen it or heard of it, just watch it. But basically, um, Hulk Hogan is Hulk Hogan is being a not-so-nice guy, because I don't want to curse on here too much, but he's being a not-so-nice guy and kind of screws HBK. And so HBK says, I'm not going to be a nice guy either. And so he sells over-dramatically. Like, think of an overdramatic sell and it was two times that mm -hmm. and he does that throughout the whole match and not that it's funny because it is funny but it's more of a spectacle because you'll never see that again between two of the biggest backstage guys ever like to see kind of that stuff come out on tv uh well pay-per-view very interesting one of a kind that's why i got i gotta give it five it barely made it but it made it you know the reason why sean did it all right well yeah because it's back backstage politics gotcha. so. Uh, for me, uh, that match was considered, almost made the list. Yeah. That, it, it, uh, the custody of Dominic, if I would have remembered that was on SummerSlam, like, it, it, I didn't See, even think I, about I, it I when remember. I was making my list. It probably would have made it, but my yeah. number, my number five is something I rewatched today. A match I've always enjoyed, but, uh, I enjoyed it when I watched it today. It was CM Punk versus Jeff Hardy 2009 ladder match for the title. Uh, oh. great match. Of course. CM Punk's my favorite of all time, so he's not the only time that he'll appear on this list, matter of fact. Mm. But CM Punk versus Jeff Hardy, classic ladder match. You get you get CM Punk, you get Jeff Hardy in a ladder match, it's going to bang. <laughs> we'll talk more about Jeff Hardy ladder matches <laughs> later on, but that's my number five. All right, well, number four for me is going to be the first appearance for... You want to say something? No. Oh, my fault. Um, number four for me is going to be the first appearance for one of these stars, and it's the face of TNA versus the face of WWE. AJ Styles and John Cena 2016. Oh. Let me tell you something. At first, I never thought I'd see this match ever in my life. I never thought AJ Styles would come to WWE. But when he did, this is the match he, that we all knew we wanted at some point. And to get it multiple times. Don't know which one's better between that and the Rumble one. But this match is a banger, man. And just to have it at SummerSlam, the blockbuster of the summer, is perfect. So that's number four for me. It's just an iconic match for me because it's the face of TNA versus the face of WWE. My number four, um, it was Brock Lesnar, you know, the the invention of Suplex City. That one is just, you know, is iconic for a lot of reasons. It's one of the big things that followed Brock and kind of made him such like a, a big star after the end of the streak. And uh, just beating John Cena the way he did, like taking him to Suplex City, which is now just a thing that everyone knows. And just for his impact and everything, um... And for Brock being Mr. SummerSlam to me, I got to give it to him, that number four spot. Okay, I love it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and close out my CM Punk section here. I'm going to talk about CM Punk versus John Cena in 2011. Now, I'm going to admit to you guys, I'm going to be real. 
We were, me and Caleb were talking about this match, or we were looking into stuff about this match earlier, and there were details that I flat out did not remember, so I, I need to go rewatch the match, okay? But the reason it's on the list is because it's a continuation of my favorite storyline of all time in wrestling. Like, just absolutely hit me at the right point, the right time, talking about, you know, money in the bank, leaving with the championship, coming back, running it back at SummerSlam. Just a continuation of my favorite story. So just by that alone, it hits my number four spot. Number three for me may be my favorite match by the by, by John Cena. It's up there, man. And that's Cena and Rollins. That match, besides, the ending gets a little iffy. But, man, Cena and Rollins, like, that match just cooks. You got Rollins in all white, one of his best gears ever. I mean, they cook. It's for the U.S. and the world title. They just cook, man. And that match just a banger, like... Can you remind me how that match finishes? I think of uh, the guy of uh, what's John Stewart. John Stewart. Yeah, I, I thought it was. Tape, I thought it was that match. I was making yeah, sure. Yeah, I was he comes out in the phrase and it makes it kind of weird. But the match before that man is just it's a classic to me. It's a banger. And when we started making this list, that was already on it. Just to know it was going to rank. It actually kind of fell a little bit because I had to rewatch these top two. But man, that match is a banger. Probably one of my favorite Cena matches of all time. I'm going to go ahead and say there's a lot of good ones that I didn't think about um, just because I was going kind of more off of memory and stuff that was more recent to me. I will say the Rollins and Cena match, probably, I'm going to say it has it's probably honorary number one just because I didn't think about it and I didn't put it on the list just because those were my top mm-hmm. favorites. At the top, I think that's peak Seth Rollins mm-hmm. for me. That's when I li- like Seth Rollins the most. And everything else has been fine, but that was like really my favorite Seth Rollins and John Cena, obviously. But my number three technically is um, Brock versus Roman at the most recent SummerSlam, uh, 2022. Um, I mean, what else can I say? I mean, it was a spectacle. Roman won. He like finally buried the beast. Um, they got the tractor. I mean, it was, it was so much stuff. Roman caught the mic when he gave it to him. There was so much stuff in that. Um, it was a moment. Yeah. I, 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 love, I love the moment of everything. And I'm a big Roman guy. And Brock, Mr. SummerSlam. That's my last Brock, though. <laughs> uh, all right. My, my number three, uh, I just talked about Cena. I'll talk about Cena one last time. It's a match that's already been talked about. It's John Cena versus AJ Styles 2016. For the exact same reason it was on Caleb's list. Just the clash between this guy that we grew up watching in, in TNA clashing with the biggest star in WWE, just the combination of those two guys together, two guys that you never thought that you would see in a ring together. And then just think about the finish of the match. Like you think, I, I don't know, you, you, you love AJ Styles, but you, you never see him like at the top of WWE. He kicks out of like the super AA, you know what I'm talking about? And then he hits him with the Styles Clash and he gets the victory. Like just to see that full circle moment to come out on top and all that good stuff. Um, that matches my number three. All right. Well, going into number two, and I'm so glad I rewatched this match because this match is a classic, man. 2008 Edge versus The Undertaker. Let me tell y'all something. Man. Y'all got to rewatch that match. Isn't that like Steel Cage or Hell in the Cell? Hell in the Cell. Yes, bro. Undertaker had to get reinstated because Edge got caught cheating on Vicky. That match, I mean, Edge Edge is not just Edge, but he goes to another level. He's like ruthless. He just go. he taps into the ruthless Edge and Taker is in his bag in any Hell in a Cell match. I don't know. You know, I love the Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Taker, Hell in a Cell match. Probably my favorite, but man, Edge and Taker may be number two right under it. That match is a banger in every single way. Even to the end where he throws Edge through the ring and fire comes out. He, he really sent him to hell. Like, 
That match is a banger, man. Number Makes two. me want to go watch that match. You need to. Uh, my number two is, um, I don't remember what match it was, but when John Cena um, surprises Roman Reigns after Roman Reigns just won his match at SummerSlam, it had to be SummerSlam 2021, I believe. That was really cool for me. Um, I was a big Roman, well, still am, but I was a big Roman fan then. Um, or no, I think I was recapping everything. Um, I was recapping everything, and I saw that, and I was a big John Cena fan, um, obviously. So having that Roman Reigns go against that John Cena compared to their No Mercy God. match like years before and seeing them kind of, seeing Roman be able to take his own afterwards, that was really cool for me. So that's my number two. Uh, my number two is a moment. It's the first, like, just moment I've had. It's uh, the Randy Orton cash-in in 2013. It's uh, uh, after uh, Daniel Bryan versus John Cena, right? Special guest rest, ref, Triple H. Daniel Bryan gets the win, the big moment, and then <laughs> Triple H turns heel, hits him with the pedigree. Randy Orton comes out and wins the title. It's just all-time shocker, right? Like, you think about shocking moments, ways to end a pay-per-view. That is nuts. Um, so that that's my number two. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's something right there, man. Uh, number one for me, my two favorite wrestlers of all time in an unsanctioned match is HBK's first match back. And if you watched it, you would have been like, "Oh my god!" You, his back had to be one hundred percent healthy because if it wasn't, ain't no way he could have done what he did in that match. That match is also another banger. I'm glad we watched it. HBK and Triple H in two thousand two, just a banger, man. And uh, that's just my number one favorite SummerSlam moment or memory. So yeah. Well, my number one is uh, Cena versus Bryant. And I, the reason, uh, all the reasons you've said it too, but uh, the main reason why it's my number one is that, um, along with, I guess, some other stuff, but that was kind of one of the big triggers to Daniel Bryan's really big um, rise to the top of the card, where like they gave him what they want, they gave the fans what they want for a brief second, and they took it away. And then that kind of that gave the crowd even more ammunition to like keep on and keep on to finally WrestleMania where you have that moment where Daniel Bryan beats Triple H and then he beats um, Batista and Randy Orton and finally gets his moment in the sun and everybody's just there with him at the same time. And you don't get that, or you don't get that catharsis without that, without that uh, moment before where you had it and they just take it away from you. Um, and plus, it was a good match between Cena and Bryant, which is two people that um, do good work. Um, and Bryant got the win over Cena. So, I mean, a lot of big things happened in that match, and a lot of things happened because of that match. So, yeah. Uh, my number one, it's just w one of my favorite matches of all time. Like, I've always enjoyed it. It's, you know, it's an all-time classic. But rewatched it in preparation for this podcast, and I was blown away at how, like, vicious and hard-hitting and insane this match is. The first TLC match between Edge and Christian, the Hardys, and the Dudleys. I mean, the amount of crazy moments. You got, like, like, like Bully Ray or uh, Bubba Ray going through the four tables. You got Lita getting speared, and then her head, like, hits the back of a yeah. ladder. Like, that match hits hard, like, brutal the entire time. Everybody takes crazy spots. It's insane the entire time. It's just one of the greatest matches of all time. So, of course... For me, it's top of the SummerSlam. Yeah, I actually would watch that match, too. It did make my list, um, but definitely, like you said, hard-hitting. I do have a few honorable mentions I want to get off real quick. Nexus, Team Nexus first Team WWE, because as a kid, I was so happy when they won. Because, you know, you're a kid, you you want seeing the good guys to win. They've been tormented 
as an adult, the Nexus, I think the Nexus should have won. But the build-up, the match, everything about it, I loved. Uh, Goldberg sparing Jericho through a chamber pod, just a spot. The match, solid mission chamber match. But that was the first time I'd ever seen anybody get speared through a pod. And Goldberg did it viciously. Thought Jericho might have been dead. The Brock tractor spot, obviously already talked about it. Cena and Brian already talked about it. But when we didn't mention... Batista and Cena, 2008. That was, to me, one of my first memories of an actual blockbuster match. Two of the biggest faces in the company going head-to-head -head at SummerSlam. And the match itself was a banger. And Batista gets the win. It's like, I don't think Cena beats Batista until, like, way in the future down the line. Because it was, like, their storyline for WrestleMania 26. But that match right there was a banger. That's what Cena gets hurt. And, um, you know, the end coming back later on. But, yeah, that was a banger. Uh, the only honorable mention other than that that I have is... Uh, this might just be a me thing because I always love Christian, but Christian versus uh, Randy Orton in the unsanctioned World Heavyweight title match. Just oh. just a random one to throw out there. I, that one just sticks out as a member for me as a kid. So um, other than that, these are all pretty solid lists. There's a lot of SummerSlam bangers. Uh, well, with that said, that concludes that segment, and we are going to roll on to our 1v1 debate in just a moment as we will be right back. And we are back. And once again, we introduce our main event of the evening. We have our champion, Taji, defending the mid-card title against C. Wilk. Of course, meaning that I am going to be the one that has chosen the topic. I will act as the referee. I will choose the winner. As it goes, as you guys know, I will present them the topic. Taji will have the choice on which side of the debate he wishes to take. Caleb will then choose if he wants to go first or second, I guess. And then that we each have 90 seconds to lay out their initial argument, three minutes to refute or respond to each other, and then 60 seconds to close out their arguments or their debate. So do you guys have your timers, all that good stuff ready to roll? Yes, sir. If you do, I'm gonna go ahead and give you the topic. Now, here's the deal, guys, about the mid-carders. Okay, we're talking a lot about SummerSlam and WWE, but something about us, we're actually going tomorrow night to AEW Collision. Okay, we talk a lot about WWE, we're going to collision. We're going to do a little crossover. So here is the topic. I'm going to give you guys two wrestlers that are currently on the AEW roster. And the topic is going to be which one would be more successful or have a better run in the WWE. Those two wrestlers from the AEW roster are Absolute Ricky Starks and Orange Cassidy. Those are the two guys. Pretty different, pretty successful in AEW in their own right. But would Ricky Starks? Or would Orange Cassidy have a more successful run in WWE? You can paint the picture and what that means, what their run looks like, however you want to approach it. So, Taji, which one of those sides would you rather take? Well, I don't know who Ricky Starks is. I mean, I do, but I don't know anything about Ricky Starks. So, I guess I'm going to have to go with Orange Cassidy. And that gives Caleb Ricky thank Starks. You. Caleb, do you want to go first or second? I'm going to go second, but I'm so thank you. He loves Ricky Starks. Um, all right, well... So Caleb's going to go second, meaning in just a moment, when you're ready, Taji, you can give your first statements about Orange Cassidy, the super cool, chill guy, going to the WWE. Are you ready? Sure. All right. So Orange Cassidy, from what I know about Orange Cassidy, he's a chill guy. He doesn't really do much, but that kind of makes him, uh, that makes him unique. It makes him cool because he is funny and everything, and he's a good worker. So um, when it comes to WWE, I could see him... Um, very solidly at the, I, I would say somewhere in the mid card, which I imagine he would do very well in. From my understanding, he is currently some champion in AEW, 
and he um, does defend it every night, every day. Um, and he's had a, a very strong, successful streak at doing so. Um, he's proven, uh, to my knowledge, and I don't know if he speaks or not, but he's proven without speaking, you can do far more and speak more uh, values. I think he would find himself very over um, and potentially find himself into the world championship um, title at some point. I could see him facing off with the likes of um, any heel, but I could see him with uh, people like LA Knight. I think he is someone who could fit with pretty much any person because he has his own zone. He's, if in the sense of if you've ever done GM mode, he's like a specialist. You can put him with anybody and he'll make it fit. He's kind of like a, he's like putty. You can mold him and put him into any spot that you want him to. And I think for that, he finds himself um, in a good fit wherever you need him for the title. I mean, for the WWE. And that's my time. All right. That's a very solid 90 seconds. Caleb, you have 90 seconds to give your take on absolute Ricky Starks in the WWE. All right. I'm going to start it now. When I first got into AEW, there was a one guy not named Kenny Omega that caught my eye. And his name was the absolute Ricky Starks. And the reason he caught my eye was he was giving this passionate promo. I mean, you could see the vein coming out the top of his forehead. Reminded me of like a Ric Flair. You know what I'm saying? Just really, the charisma of this bleeding from his skin. The way he was so into it. The way you could tell he believed it. The way he cared. That is something that if you want to be a star in WWE, it separates you from the indie wrestlers who can go just go in the ring. Who can create these crazy spots. Who can just, you know, they may have the look, but they ain't got the talk. You know what I'm saying? You got to be able to talk to talk and walk to walk. And that's something that Ricky Starks has when it comes to being a superstar. He already has showed us heel-wise he can work the mic, he can work that side. He's willing to do whatever it takes to win the match. That's why he has a world title match against CM Punk tomorrow night that we'll be watching. And he's also showed us that he can be that babyface hero that you want to root for because he is absolutely one of the best in AEW. He's a future star, and if you put him in WWE, he could be a mid-card champion to start, but he would escalate over time to that world title picture. We could be a future world champion and give you a absolutely amazing run from Ricky Starks. That is my time. Okay. All right. Another solid 90 seconds right there about the absolute. Atazi's now going to refute with three minutes about Orange Cassidy. Uh, once again, can respond, can refute whatever he wants to do. Whenever you are ready, T-Boat. I'll go. Um, yeah, for Orange Cassidy, um, for, like I said, I don't think he physically talks, but what he does do is he physically has a presence on, the, on his own. He is someone who stands out on his own, and uh, that way he finds himself in a lot of, he can find himself in a lot of different spots with the likes of, Sheamus or anyone really into the mid card um championship that title, but also um he doesn't have to be um with that. He has shown himself to be, from my knowledge, to be a good a uh, comedic wrestler, um and having a good comedy wrestler um is essential for a a a, a superstar show as well, a WWE show. Um, so having someone who can bring that effortlessly. Um, is good. Also, um, when it comes to who would have like a better run, I think a lot of that um, could have something to do with merch sales. If you're selling more merch, it'd be more likely or more susceptible to get a push or more improvement. 
And from what I understand, um, Orange Cassidy has found himself to be very popular, um, not only physically, um, through other people, you know, chanting and the fans showing up for him, but also in merch sales. He, um, at least in AEW, he's found himself a very cool niche of shirts that um, really separate him from the pack. And I think that is what makes um, Orange Cassidy Orange Cassidy. He finds a way to stand out um, without speaking. He doesn't have to, um, he doesn't need to necessarily um, speak out. He doesn't necessarily need a manager. He doesn't need to really do anything that is established by anybody else because he finds himself to be a unique person. He finds himself to be one of one. Um, for people like that, um, I think of people like, you know, the, the Rock, who was one of one, Stone Cold, but also people recently. You have, at least for WWE, people um, who stood out like, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura for being different, Asuka for being different. Um, even, I'd say, uh, Grayson Waller for being different. The people who find different ways and unique ways. But I would say he is one of the chief people who comes up with um, ways to stand out um, that are bigger than him, bigger than a voice and something that he can do regardless um, 24 days um, out of the week, 24-7, basically. Um, I, I find Orange Cassidy to be someone who can dedicate himself to be a worker for the fans and someone, if you need someone to be in a match and put on that um, five-star match, um, he will be able to deliver regardless of where he is on the country, in the nation, on the globe. Um, and I think he finds himself to be, like I said, mold, molding to any situation you put him in. And that's why I think um, he will find himself in a good spot because he'll make it. All right. Uh, and he talks about merch sales, you know, just saying Caleb's wearing an orange bandana right now. So maybe he's he's pouring into those merch sales. But Caleb, you have three minutes. I'm <laughs> just kidding to respond about Absolute Ricky Starks. All right. Let me start. Um, I want to say first. The main problem with Orange Cassidy is, from what I've seen, this is the only gimmick or the only side of him that has worked since he's been on AW, to my knowledge. And with that, you, we've seen the comedy in WWE from the Eugene's, the San Antonio Morellas, the R-Truths. I mean, you could keep going, the, the Brodus Clays, you can keep going to entertaining comedy type styles. The problem is they never truly get a chance to elevate and be taken seriously and we don't know, we, there's no proof that he could do anything else. The one thing about Ricky Starks that we have seen is him go toe-to-toe -to -toe and fuse in on the mic with not only MJF, but people like CM Punk, a WWE legend. No matter how you want to call it down the middle, he's, he's got future WWE Hall of Fame. He's a legend. To be able to be in the ring with them and hold your on with two of the best in the business on the mic Shows you can help carry a feud. You can help carry a main event. You can help be a world champion if you can hang with the two top two world champions in AEW. He has showed that not only can he win the crowd over, not only can he be that underdog with his feud with Jay White and the Bullet Club Gold, but he can also be that heel like when I first met him when he was Powerhouse Hobbs. Like what he's doing right now by doing whatever he has to do. He has the sauce as he says, you know what I'm saying? He got that sauce to do whatever needs to be done to get a win. And that's something that a WWE superstar needs to separate themselves from the mid-carters, from the, 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 the comedy gimmicks. That's something you need to be more successful 
when it comes to the, the big leads. There's a lot of wrestlers that's great in the ring. There's a lot of wrestlers that's beloved on the indies and other companies, but not all of them can survive in the big monster called WWE. He, he doesn't have to wrestle that fast-paced, flashy-style, flippy-dippy-doo-dah as well. He can, put on, he can tell a story in the match. Like I said, we've seen it with Powerhouse Hobbs. We've seen it with Jay White. We've seen him with NJF. We've seen him with CM Punk. We've seen him hold his own against some of the best. And when you, you, know, you want to put somebody in WWE to be more successful, that's what you're counting on. Somebody to go against Seth Rollins. Somebody can count on to go out there with Roman Reigns. Somebody to go out there with Gunther and Drew McIntyre. And not only hold their own in the mic, but also in the ring. And don't get me started on the look. The man is absolutely gorgeous when it comes to having the look of an absolute star. The last thing I want to say in this rebuttal is Orange Cassidy may have, you know, he may be over. But it's just something about charisma bleeding through your veins. When you can see someone and look at them and you can feel every word they're saying is hitting home. You believe it. You, you think they're telling the truth. You think that's who they really are behind the closed doors. They got you in the palm of their hand. And that is why Ricky starts to be more successful. Okay. Another solid three minutes there. Back and forth debate here right now. It's going to be interesting to see how they both close out their debate with their final one minute, starting with T-Boat whenever he is ready. I'll go. So um, when it comes to Orange Cassidy, you do a lot of um, comparing Orange Cassidy to uh, your guy, and that that's cool, but only one of them is a current champion right now, and only one of them has been defending that championship um, consistently. Um... So if you're talking about someone who can already, someone who's already in a better spot and can continue to succeed, you say that he can't succeed, but he's already doing that. Um, and that's just doing what he's doing now, which is what you say, comedy spots, but he's beloved by the fans and he's over, just like you say Ricky Starks is. Um, so it's proven that that formula, whatever that might be, has worked and can continue to work. If it'll work there, that subset of people, then it definitely can work at that uh, bigger range of people. Um, he's won the crowd over without even speaking. Um, so if you can do that, I mean, there's so much more. Being able to tell the body through a word through your body um, is much more through your words, and that's all I got. Okay, Caleb, your one minute whenever you are ready. All right. Let's get this. You compare them due to the fact that Orange Cassidy is currently a mid-card champion, but what I want to point out to you is he's never had a world title shot. See, he could go to WWE and be stuck in a U.S. intercontinental lane, which may be successful to you, but I'm looking at a guy who's had the world title shots. Look at a guy who's been pushed in those areas and environments that may could be a future main eventer of WrestleMania. I don't know if you call a person more successful because they're stuck being Intercontinental Champion for all of their life, or U.S. Champion, or North American Champion, or if you want to be a WrestleMania main eventer, if you want to be closing out shows main eventing on Monday, on, on Friday, or even on Saturday when it comes to these PLEs. I'd rather be the main eventer. I'd rather be the guy like with the edge, the Randy Orton, the Johnson, the person that they are closing the show, the person that they're counting on to main event their event, than just the guy that's a workhorse champion that can't elevate above that level. I'd rather be a guy of world champion and superstar material than just a guy carrying a mid-card title. Okay. All right. Both of you guys put up a great fight right there. I thought it was a solid debate. It is a tough, tough decision. I think I can speak for everybody when I say that both Orange Cassidy and Ricky Starks would absolutely kill it on 
the main roster in WWE. I think, though it is narrowly close, I think one person did a slightly better job presenting the case for success in WWE, which is the prompt, even though both did well. I think the official ruling from the judges is that we have a new mid-card champion. Caleb C. Wilk, congratulations. Appreciate it. I just want to say I'm finally happy to say I've been, I'm now a two-time champion, and it was a, a great debate, Tebow. I was like 0-3 against you before this, so it finally feels good to finally get a win and overcome my hard times, as Cody Rhodes would say. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just feels good to be champion. It's back around my waist, and I can't wait to have a better reign than the first one. Well, now that I'm not the ref, let me just say that next week, next episode, a couple days from now, I'm coming for that mid-card title, and I'm taking it home with me. But that's another day, another conversation. For now, that's it for the mid-carders. I am C. Bloom. It's the champ C. Wilk. T-Boat, out. And we will catch you when we catch you.